Um, okay, so Psalm 73, verse 26. And again, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Tell me, what did you observe? What things jumped out for you guys on those verses? Well, for me, it was just no matter what, God's got strength for me waiting mm-hmm. when I feel like I can't go anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any specific word jump out? Heart, Heart. flesh. Heart, flesh. Strength. Strength. Portion forever. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love yeah. that. Forever. Yeah. Well, because I was dealing with flesh that was failing, I was jumped, that jumped out at me. My flesh fails. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and portion, I know you know I don't. Oh, an allotment. A portion was an allotment. I was thinking it was kind of like maybe, um, yeah, an allotment, like an inheritance almost. Not but not exactly an inheritance. So I'm thinking the strength of God is is my portion. It's what God gives me. He gives me that strength. Yeah, I look at it whatever whatever amount I need for me in the situation that you're currently in, that that's the portion that God's going to provide me. Mm -hmm. But you know, the portion can Mm -hmm. be sitting there, but if you don't take it, then it's just sitting there. And that's where I found myself. You know, that the portion was sitting there. And Cora reminded me of this. She said, remember when we went and saw that lady in Prescott? She said, it's okay to be sad and mad and to cry and be upset, Mm -hmm. but don't live in that place. Live in God's strength. Mm-hmm. Then when you're done with that, live in God's strength. And mm-hmm. and I thought, I'm trying so hard. But there, you know, I'm trying so hard. I am trying. I'm me. <laughs> me, me, I'm trying, you know. <laughs> and um, so I, I found that before I had shingles, I wrote this. No matter what state I'm in, my God is my strength. Mm-hmm. That was before shingles. Mm-hmm. And then my portion is sitting there, but if you don't reach out and put your hands out for the portion, it's still going to sit there. Right, true, true, true. Mm-hmm. Oh, grab mine. <laughs> um, well, I love math. Anybody love math? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you love math? It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. God it's order. created order, not chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it has. It will come together, and there's many ways to. Have it come together? It doesn't well, have to come together. The some same people way. have some really wonky ways called core <laughs> math, but yeah, there are. Yeah, but you're right. It always the way I matter. think about how to put it together may be different than the way you put it together, but we can come out with the same answer. There's always an absolute value in math, right? There's always an absolute truth, right? Two plus two will always equal four. I don't care how you say it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no matter who tries to tell you, it's not. <laughs> right. But if we're missing a value, right, mm-hmm. and we have to solve for X, how do we get to what X is, right? Well, I got to thinking about that, and when I read the verse, I was really confused and not confused because I deducted the same thing as you guys did, but really diving into the verse. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And I thought, Lord, you just said in the first part of the verse that my heart may fail, and yet you're the strength of my heart. How can that be 2 plus 2 equals 4? Mm. Right? So I really, what is, what is the missing value there? Right? And first of all, God being having the sense of humor as he does, says, well, first of all, X, 
you know is Christ. <laughs> yeah. it, it literally is the shortened Greek. That's the first letter in Christos is X. But anyway, that was a little joke with God and I. Um, <laughs> but God, those two little words that we see mm-hmm. in Scripture over and over again. Mm-hmm. But God. Because the first part tells me my flesh and my heart may fail. That's somebody at the end of the rope, right? I think you've started us off with that, Linda. It's like, I've got nothing left. I am discouraged. I am tired. I am beaten down. I feel hopeless. I feel helpless, right? That's the end of your rope. And he says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That portion probably is a little more um, closely related to inheritance, as you said, than what you're thinking. Yeah, (laughs) because what happens is when we solve for X here and what happened in that, go back to verse 1 of 73. It says, surely God is good to Israel. That is the way Asaph opens it. Asaph is the... um, He's the choral director, so to speak, the worship <laughs> minister of the temple um, during the time of David. He's also um, mentioned as a prophet in Second Chronicles, I think it is. Um, so here's someone that knows the Lord, is used to worshiping the Lord, and yet he's having a down day. They say he wrote like 11 of the Psalms, and they were all laments. And laments, they always have, I'm dealing with stuff, God. But by the end of them, which we've talked about many times, Psalms will start out and we can relate to them so well because the authors seem to just pour their hearts out as to this is the trouble that I'm facing. And Asaph goes on to say, but as for me, my feet have almost slipped. I have nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. And just stopping right there, just thinking, he's looking around and he's like, why doesn't anyone else have these issues? Mm-hmm. Why is it me? Why are, why are we as a people? You know, that's how we tend to look at things, right? Whether we want to admit it or not, when we're at the bottom of our barrel, we're like, why, God? Right? Why this health issue? Why is my child dealing with this? Why, am, why is my husband dealing with this? Why is... My friend, you know, uh, why hasn't Cora gotten a wheelchair yet, God? Mm-hmm. Right? At the, at the core of us, the, that question is there. And that is where Asaph's at in this. Is he saying why? He's looking around and he's saying they are prospering. They are healthy. They're prospering. They're happy. And we're struggling. And what he finds is he gets down to about verses 16 and 17. He says, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. And he says, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. That although others, maybe we look out at the world and we think, you know, such and such politician seems to be prospering mm-hmm. when someone else is not, you know. Or, you know, we can look at someone that we know that they're not living for the Lord, but they got money, they got health, they got, you know, they mm-hmm. seem to have it all together. And here we are trying to do our best to live with the Lord and we're struggling in it. But he says, you know what, they might have what appears from the outside 
looking at them, they might have it all. But what they don't have is eternity in Christ. What they don't have is a true, lasting hope. And so God, he says, you know, he says there, I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery slippery ground. And then he goes on to say, it was as if, as a dream when one awakes. So when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. And when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. He recognized that at the heart of the why, at the heart of envy and bitterness, is questioning God. God, do I trust you? Do you have, as he said in verse 1, surely good towards Israel, surely good towards me? We are at the heart of it questioning whether or not God has good thoughts towards us, whether he's thinking of us and caring for us and trusting. And so when we look at others and we see something else, or when we wish that God gave us a different circumstance, and that somewhere in that we're saying, God, you didn't care to give me the best, or you didn't care to think good towards me. Um, And so he's feeling right there, in that verse um, 22, like it's just dawned on him, like, I'm a beast. I'm a brute to you, God, that I would just throw these things back in your face after you've given me so many promises. Um, and then he says, I am always with you and you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. He realizes there is nothing here, nothing that can be held any different than what God has for him. And even though he's in the midst of a circumstance or some sort of a trial as a nation or, or personally, as we look at ourselves, that God has not left his side. And so he has no reason for hopelessness. No reason for discouragement or to doubt that God has good thoughts towards him or good things for him. Um, tell me, what do you struggle with the most when you're in that position? Well, Kim, you sure know how to suck it to a new person. <laughs> <laughs> this was the verse that I claimed mm. for a long time while my husband was dying. Mm. And uh, the my flesh and my heart faileth, but the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Mm-hmm. And my husband did pass away, mm-hmm. but up 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but my portion forever. Yeah. And I had to claim that. And I claimed it. And yeah. I claimed it. And, yeah. and God came through. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. That portion that he's talking about there that and you guys have mentioned it but that he's what's missing in the first part of the verse is hope right because we've tried to put hope in things that we could hold on to right and we put hope into what we could um what we thought made up our rock so to speak We've, we have these ideals of what it looks like when things are held together that 
we're, we're in the right place with God, we're doing the right things, and that somehow when the blanket gets pulled out from underneath of us, that somehow we must have done something wrong, or God took his eyes off the, you know, <laughs> whatever it may be, that um, where he's saying here, nope, I've never left you. He would be the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that strength of my heart and what's missing and what the X value is again is verse one, that God is good, that he is never going to waver from that. All of those verses we can think of Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, right? You know, what's that one say? I know I, I know the, dis- yeah. the thoughts, plans. plans, yeah. I have for, for you. you. Thoughts of good. Not for you. Not to, give you an expect, to give you an expected end. Then she, you shall call upon me, and I, and I will hearken unto you. And she, and uh, you shall find me if you shall search for me with all your heart. Yeah. So there you go. You trust God or you don't. His thoughts toward you are good. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He is the rock. It says right here in this, you hold me by my right hand. We have to cling to those verses and remember that regardless of the circumstance we're in, God's in it, he's allowed it, and he's called it good. We might not call it good, (laughs) right? (laughs) But he has called it good for a reason, right? That there is something coming out of this. Um. That portion forever, so that but God, that strength of my heart, is that hope. That's what the X factor is, is that we believe God for what he says and for what he says about us and how he thinks towards us, and that is our hope, that he's not left us, that we there's nothing we can do that pushes him away, right? He never leaves. Now, the second part of that verse that she mentioned is if you seek me, you will find me with all your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if And so part of that prescription, I started to write it out, part of that prescription there is that if you sit in the presence of God and you stay in the word of God and he holds you in that place, hope will come. Peace will come. And part of that portion forever is as he was saying about the world. You look around and you see the world or you see those people that appear to be prospering and whatnot. And yet they're living a hopeless eternity, Mm -hmm. right? We have hope in eternity that maybe today in our circumstance that God calls good, but we don't call good. We are crying. That he (laughs) says one day those tears will be gone. This world is but a vapor, Scripture tells us, right? And one day, you will be sitting with your husband again in heaven, right? I have to ask my husband now about that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Well, you're not going to be married in heaven, but you will be reunited in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. My mom has said the same thing, by the way. Um, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Tell me what your thoughts were on that side of it. I 
like so many, you know, other verses and such, um, we we cannot do things on our own without the strength of, of Christ and, and, and God. And the fact that he is not going to leave us, um, he's going to see us through, we just have to keep our eyes focused on him and trust in him that he sees the whole picture. Amen. We are only in the moment mm-hmm. or maybe a little bit, you know, maybe an eight by 10 um, mm-hmm. view of, of the situation that you're in. Um, but keeping your eyes focused on Christ, um, he will be with you, um, strengthen you and have your best interest at heart. And that's, it's sometimes challenging to, to stay trusting and, you know, all the garbage going on around you. And I think it, it feels like as much chaos as, as in what you just said, right? As much chaos as dumping a thousand piece puzzle and picking up one piece and not knowing what the picture looks like. Yep. Right. It feels that chaotic sometimes. And like, but if you keep, working it you keep trusting it that it is going to show a bigger picture mm-hmm. later on god will reveal that right mm-hmm. um but sometimes in steps <laughs> sometimes yes. in frustration and a lot yeah. of tears and prayer um what else anyone else have thoughts on that well i got written down i did this a long time ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my lap i can't read my writing or my last refuge, my sufficient something, is God, and He's enough. Hmm. One of the verses which I was looking for that I wrote down. Um, this is how I do things. Isn't that crazy? All right. Um, it is Romans eight six. It says, basically, the we could look at it. It'd probably be better translation than what I jotted on my paper (laughs) Um, Romans 8 6 says the mind of sinful man is death but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace and the I had a different version in that it was probably ESV but um, does anyone have it the mind is set on the the mindset on the flesh is death for to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace and so if you look back then again at our verse, my flesh and my heart may fail. If your flesh is, if you're set, your mind is set on the circumstances, Scripture is telling us it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. That's plain and simple, right? Um, I feel like maybe sometimes it's real easy for us to start there. Right? Before we give it to God, we don't always go straight to God. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but there was an analogy that we used years ago in Bible study. Uh, I apologize. I don't remember if it was me or if it was my friend or if it was an author. Um, so credit to somebody. <laughs> um, the long and the short of it was... Um, Think of it as walking down a long hall and there'd be rooms off to the side. And when we take a ditch and say Christ is at the end of the hall 
and we take a ditch off the path and we go into one of those rooms, we can make a choice at that point to either think of that room as think of that room as your circumstance or whatever's going on, right? You could go in that room and you can turn around and walk out, close the door and keep heading down the hallway. Or you could go in the room and look around and maybe put a chair and a table. And the longer you hang out, maybe you start decorating in that room. And that's kind of an analogy for when we just decide to sit in our issue, right? Instead of going out and heading down, if you seek me with all your face, you will find me, right? And we hang out in our issue. Um, so that's what the flesh would be doing at that time. The flesh wants to remain hopeless, wants to feel picked on. God's a mean guy, you know, on an anthill, whatever that saying is, right? <laughs> um, so we make a choice, don't we, in the middle of that verse, but God. It's like Susie said, the portion's there for me, but I have to take the portion. The path is there for me, but I have to take the path, right? Um, and it's always there because we don't have to go looking for it. Um, God's made that really easy for us to find. Um, we can go to our scripture. We can go to a friend, you know. I think it was John Piper um, who was I was reading. He was talking about this, and he was saying um, we really need like that set up when we know we're in a circumstance, almost like we got it pre planned right through thinking fire season right now we got pre-plans right (laughs) we got ready set go right Mm -hmm. we need ready set go in our life right when we know cancer showed up you know someone's had a stroke a heart attack or whatever is in the hospital right when these things happen ready set go says prayer chain get my friends involved fight with me Don't isolate. There's strength in numbers, right? We go to the Word. We sit in the Word whether we feel like it or not. We sit in prayer in the presence of God, right? We ready, set, go in our pre-plan in our life when these things come up so that we aren't out there not battling with no armor on, right? Mm -hmm. Because God says, you know, pick up my armor, he will go do the battle for us. Jill could tell you the whole thing on that, right? I've been thinking lately. Yes, he is fighting my battle, but I will physically have the scars. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he might tell you, I'm also bearing scars. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. um, what else are you thinking there? When you were talking about praying, mm-hmm. I heard today a guy was talking about it and he he was talking about prayer as being a power mm-hmm. you know like the guy went around the and prayed seven times yeah mm-hmm. the seventh prayer wasn't just the one it was all of them together that gave the power for him for the wall to fall yeah. so well, it's of abundance of praying and in that store store story part of it was that they obeyed what seemed yeah. ridiculous. Ridiculous. Just yeah. shouting and yeah. playing. I don't want the, you to have any the, yep. instruments of distraction. I just want you to 
go around, worship, say it one time, sit down, say it one time, one time, one time, mm-hmm. and then go, mm-hmm. right? And he knocked it down. They didn't ever have to do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I say to you, ready, set, go is, I've got cancer. I'm going to tell my friends and my family we're going to pray about it. I'm going to stay in Bible study. I'm going to rely on God's, you know, promises that he has good thoughts towards me. There's truth towards me, you know, and that that's the right. Other people may say, get mad at God. <laughs> I have had one pity party. One and, and I and, and there's I, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, no, and I have this um, was mm-hmm. given this amazing uh, devotional um, praying through cancer. And it talks about a pity party. And in your pity party, you know, you're having doubt, um, uh, lack of trust and such. And you're allowed those pity parties as long as you invite Jesus to. Yeah. <laughs> because then he balances out the, the lack of trust, the, the faithfulness. So uh, no matter what circumstance you're in, I have Absolutely. not. I have not yet got angry. I know Jim has. I have not questioned God, mm-hmm. but I have, you know, set in self <laughs> pity, wallowing, but um, making sure, no matter what you're going through, that it's okay to have those pity parties, but make sure you invite Jesus to them too. I think um, that we can see in scripture, even in here in this ver- in this chapter, mm-hmm. is that um, God never rebuked them for the pity party. It was for thinking He wasn't there, in which they He always revealed, "Remember, I am with you. Mm-hmm. I'm still here." You know, and and so and really, what He's saying here, in in this chapter and throughout scripture, is that like Jill said, that. He'll be with us in the pity party. He'll be our rock. He'll be. He'll hold us. He bottles every tear. Scripture tells us. Yeah. Um, but our job here is just to remember verse one again. Mm-hmm. That God has not left us. He has good thoughts towards us. We're not alone in it. Um, but absolutely, do I sit in it sometimes and say, "This sucks." <laughs> yep. We all have, right? Mm-hmm. This sucks. And you know what? God's going, I understand. But I haven't left you. I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my own life, I look at it and I say, again, didn't like the circumstances and things that I've been through. But I look back and go, you know what, God? You really did make beauty out of ashes. Mm-hmm. You burned it down. What I thought was going well. <laughs> Maybe he didn't burn it down, but he allowed us to burn it down, yep. right? Yep. It burned down, and these bodies of flesh, they've been dying since day one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this flesh fails because it goes towards sin, right? And whatever we burn down, he still we turn to him, he brings beauty out of ashes. Mm-hmm. And we have to trust that in him. Um, any other thoughts on that? How does it apply to you? 
I wrote, I just have to have faith, mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. I just have to have faith that God is there, and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And turn it over to him. Mm -hmm. Could I? I hate to say too much, I mean, but um, I, I'd just like to let it go. share. What? Let it go. Let it go. Let it rip, girl. I'd like to share this for Jill's sake, because I was just in a situation like Jill. Mm. Um, on uh, Valentine's Day, I came down with colitis and ended up in the hospital. Never been in the hospital before in my life. I'd been super healthy. And uh, before I came, I was only in the hospital for two days, but they took some tests. And, and uh, I already had a liver disease. You'd never heard of it, but it's called primary biliary cirrhosis. And Jill, you might be familiar with that. But it's not a good disease. It only gets worse until you die. And uh, I was diagnosed with it. But in, in the hospital, they did a lot of tests. They found out that my, my PBC, as it's called, was going into stage four, the worst stage. And they told me, because of my um, uh, uh, the infection, the colitis, that I should see somebody about what's going on with my colon, probably have a colonoscopy right away because there was something suspicious there. They also said, you've got a, a peptic ulcer. They already said, you've got a mass in your breast. It looks very suspicious. You need to get to see somebody really soon. And uh, so they said, you, you, as soon as you get out of here, you do all this. So I uh, went right away to my uh, uh, GI doctor, who I'd had before. I didn't like him. We didn't get along at all. But uh, went to see him. He uh, said, yeah, um, I've gone into stage four with my primary biliary cirrhosis. And uh, he said, you don't have a problem with your colon. You just had a colonoscopy. That's not a problem. You don't worry about a peptic ulcer. You don't have a peptic ulcer. But he said, you need to get to see somebody about this mass in your breast. And you need to do it pronto. And I said, oh, you know, here I'm going to be dying of the PBC. And now I've got to have uh, uh, treatment um, for, for my breast, for possible cancer, too. I've been doing all that. And I go, oh, what a way to die. And... Uh, so, uh, but my uh, GI doctor, who I didn't like, he didn't have bedside manner. I mean, he sent me home to die. He said, I can see your body's beginning to break down. Mm. And he just sent me home to die. Um, so, but I didn't have a peptic ulcer, nothing wrong with my colon. I mean, the Lord turned that around. I went to see my um, regular doctor, my PC. I went to see him, and I said, yeah, I've got to have a mammogram right away, they say. He said, he said he scheduled the mammogram for me right away, but he said, and he's a really good doctor. He said, well, while you're here in my office, why don't I look at it and just give you a, a little uh, exam? So he did that. He felt on my breast and felt around. He said, oh, you've got dense tissue there. Oh, he yeah. said, I don't think it's anything more than dense tissue. That just shows up that way on, on tests. He said, I can't guarantee anything, but yeah, later I had the mammogram and there was nothing there. Wow. So this just left me with, with PBC, which was now stage four cirrhosis, he called it. And I just got a hold of all my friends, went to prayer, mm. and I was a member of some different groups, and I asked them all to pray for me. Oh, and this GI doctor that I didn't like, he said, he knew I was going to the Mayo Clinic. And, he's, and uh, so he said, when you go to the Mayo Clinic, Asked them about a possibility of a liver transplant. And uh, I said, what? You, you told me a few months ago I wasn't eligible for a liver transplant. You know, I'm 60, 76 years old. He, he told me I wasn't. And I said, you're telling me now to ask him about it? He said, yeah, sometimes they can twist things. Those were his words. 
So I had all my friends praying for the possibility of a liver transplant. I knew there was only, you know, just a thread of hope that I'd even be eligible. But I said, pray that I would be eligible. So um, uh, a week or two later, I went to the Mayo Clinic and, and with all my friends praying for a liver transplant. And my husband was able to go in with me. I'd never met this doctor before, but I knew everybody was praying with me. And I'm so glad my husband came along because nobody would ever believe this if, if I didn't have a witness. My husband. <laughs> um, we, he uh, looked over all the records, the bad records from the hospital and everything. Uh, he, we went through a long interview, and at the end of that interview, he said, um, you know, I know you come here for a reason, and, and just tell me now what, I can, what can I do for you? And I said, the overarching question I have is, am I eligible for a liver transplant? And he just hesitated, and he looked at me. He said, Diane, you're not even in stage four PVC. What do you want a liver transplant for? What? He said, no. And he explained to me what stage four was all about, which was completely different from what my GI doctor had said. He said, you're not, you're not stage four. And everything he was saying was true. God had turned that all around. Oh, I was wow. not in stage four. And so we got to talking. He said, mm -hmm. and I said, well, what's, what's my <coughs> prognosis for the future? He said, well, how, late, how old do you want to live to be? <laughs> oh, through all of this has been God's got this mm. and he does he's got it completely 100% in his hands he will receive the glory and the praise no matter what um, and the opportunities I mean okay two biopsies an MRI an echocardiogram next is a CT we've had a port installed um, every opportunity I have been just, you know, laying there and it's like, okay, this is what God's doing, you know, and they have no choice but to sit and listen to me yeah, because awesome. they're being paid to do a, a procedure or a test or, yeah, or whatever on me. And, <laughs> and it's, you know, I, I told God all along from the, from the second, um, I sensed what was going on, um, that he would receive all the honor and glory. And mm -hmm. um, I have to, I have to hold to that promise because he has promised me he will never leave me nor forsake me. Yes. And um, he's fought the battle and he knows the outcome. I don't, but, and, uh, you know. Mm. Thank you. That's funny though. All of a sudden, don't stop praying for yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's not going that way. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. We were 
were praying in a small group one night of husbands and wives, and, and one of my friends got it mixed up, and she prayed for me for a kidney transplant. Oh, no! Oh, and, and so I jumped in after she was done, and I said, please, God, don't give me a kidney. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, when we don't give things to God and we remain in our flesh, that gnaws on us. It can separate us in our relationship with God, separate us in our relationships, period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that angerness can turn into bitterness. And if you've known somebody that's bitter, it's like its own cancer. Mm-hmm. It just eats at them. It starts eating at everyone around them. Yep. It's just ugly, right? Yeah, you don't even want to be around them. Yeah. Right. And it, it's 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 um it's help it's hopeless. Mm-hmm. That's what you see. Mm-hmm. Hopelessness. So we don't want to be in that place, right? Um like Jill said, you know, it's okay to have the pity party. It's okay to be upset about it. Just take Jesus with you. I I really like that a lot. Um, Hannah was one of those people in First Samuel. Um, you know, her husband, this would be another perspective for me in this too, is at one point I made my husband more of a rock than what he should have been, you know? And when we make other things our rock or, you know, whether it be your finances, your job, your mother, you know, whatever it may be, your best friend. When we make other things our source of comfort, our source of stability, um, when that changes, um, that just sends our world in another direction. And God will allow that to change because he does not want that for us. Um, But Hannah's husband knew, Hannah, if you remember, couldn't have children. And he loved her so much, it says in Scripture, that he gave her a double portion. There's that word, portion, right? He gave her a double portion because he loved her, um, and the Lord had closed her womb. And that's what it says in First Samuel 1.5. In verse 8, it talks about how she was downhearted because of it, because no man, no person, is or anything can ever fill a void, right? So she was discouraged. She felt like maybe God had forgotten her in that she had kept asking for something that she felt, you know, would fulfill her when and not realizing it was God that wanted to be the one that would fill that void all along. Um, But the part that really stuck out to me was at times we try to be that for other people. And that is just just as wrong we need to point them to God right lift them up in that and not try to be their rock not try to be their portion um so we can neither rely on them nor be that for somebody else um we always need to point back to God in that um lamentations 324 says the Lord is my portion that is the only portion that we need regardless of the circumstances he's enough he is enough 
-hmm. right? And that's what we have to tell ourselves. And we're in the midst of those things. God, you are enough. I don't understand what you're doing here, but you are enough. And it is okay to sit there with him in it and be sad. Um, I did write out some verses, though, but I want to, is there anything else that you guys want to share that you had written down or any other thoughts? Um, so it should have said up there, but I got talking prescription for discouragement or whatever you want to title it. Um, there's some verses that you can write down Romans eight, 28 through 29. Maybe I'll read them to you while you're writing them down. Romans 28 through 29 says, And we know that on, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, and that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. <laughs> um, Isaiah 41.10 says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That was Isaiah 41.10. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. 31, yep, Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I've heard said that fear is a sin. Is that I don't, I think you have to look at it's. It, it's, it goes back to the same thing that we're talking about here. It's that, you believe the truth that God tells you that he's in control, et cetera, et cetera. Having fear, I think, is a flesh response. You know what I'm saying? I think sin would be to sin in it, believing that God is not who he says he is. Not, I think that takes off a whole other rabbit trail. Um, but that's just my, you know, off-the-cuff response. <laughs> Someone feels differently. Matthew 28:20 says in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you I surely am with you always to the very end of the age to me that kind of remind reminded me not only is he with you always but that generate generational pointing others towards the things that we go through you know sharing those things and discipling others just I love that Diane shared, you know, here's a couple of things that have happened in my life. I'm going to pass it on to you so that you can have the hope that I have, right? We get to share in that as believers with her, right? First um, Peter 1.3 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So he's our living hope. And Hebrews 6.19 says he's an anchor for our souls. Hebrews 6.19. And then the one I want to uh, end with here is 2 Corinthians 4.16-18. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So maybe stick those in your Bible or something for those days that we're having a pity party, right? <laughs> so I have to share with you this this devotion that um, uh, a Christian Mark Christian Challenge sent me. It's um, co-written by his uh, sister-in-law who did pass uh, from breast cancer. Uh, but eighty percent of those verses I have mm. come across and are marked in my. That's awesome. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm chuckling. I'm going ear to ear you. as I'm as I'm writing down the the books and and chapters that you're saying, and I'm like, yeah, I got that one. Yeah, marked. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's amazing to see how God works. Well, God is like that because when we're seeking Him, I've been at the grocery store and overheard a conversation it wasn't even directed to me. You know, little things like that happen where something comes up. Or and you're just going, yep. You're just mm-hmm. solidifying what God keeps telling me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts that I missed, maybe in this scripture? No. All right. 